Welcome to Bundesliga Recap. I'll be recapping Germany's uh, two games in the Nations League. And I'll be going over some of the coaches' changes briefly that have happened this uh, June. So without further ado, Germany versus Hungary was a bit of a disappointment. It was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Nagy for uh, Hungary opened the scoring in the 6th minute. Hoffman equalized in the ninth minute, 1-1 draw, split point. This is not the game uh, Germany would have liked to play out, but it's what happened. Germany started in a back five. Neuer and goal, Schlotterbeck, Zuller, and Kerr as the center backs. Hoffman and Raum as the wing backs. With Goretzka, Kimmich as the center midfield. Havertz, Musiala, and Werner up top. And overall, it wasn't the most threatening of uh, teams. Ball possession, Germany dominated six, uh, 67% to 33%. But really, the issue for Germany is we only Germany only had six shots and one really big chance, and that's the one Hoffman put away. Hungary had more chances, bigger chances. They had 11 shots. The counter was on all the time. They had seven shots on target. And this was, I mean, this really shows Hungary probably the better team. They're very compact. They didn't allow Germany to penetrate um, anywhere. It was a lot of possession at the back. But, I mean, Germany did get a goal and do get a point, so it's not horrible, but... I think the back five wasn't the greatest decision for this game. I think maybe maybe going to a back four, which I'll talk about in the next game, uh, might have been the better idea. For the uh, goal for Nagy, uh, he uh, Fiola broke down the right flank, um, latching a ball over the top. He hooked the cross into the middle. Salai uh, gets onto the cross to head at goal. But Neuer saved it, but then um, Zulot, uh, he was the first to the rebound, hammers his attempt past Neuer, and uh, they get the goal. Hoffman's goal, it was um, a simple ball over the top from Schlotterbeck to Hoffman. Hoffman runs into the space. He takes a neat touch around Gulachi and then rolls it into the net. It was a good finish for Hoffman, and he's looked really good um, in this window. He scored one goal against Hungary, one goal against England, and look is looking very good right now. But this just wasn't the best Germany performance. Uh, Neuer made some decent saves, but it just overall was not the uh, performance. Schlotterbeck was amazing. He created the mo- he created that one great chance. He had. Tackles. He had three clearances, header clearances, interceptions, recoveries. Um, his long balls were decently accurate. Could that could be something he works on? But overall, he did very well, especially for a center back. Uh, this I don't know. This just wasn't the best performance overall from Germany. Not much really to say. This was n- most likely. Won't happen in the World Cup. But if you're looking at the World Cup, Japan's prop most likely won't bunker because they have some they have some talent and they, I think they can play with Germany. Maybe they will. But
But this game is really going to reflect with the Costa Rica game. Costa Rica will bunker. And they will just rely on Kaylor Navas to make save after save after save. And so it worries me a little bit just because if Germany can't break down Hungary, can they break down Costa Rica? And I, I do think Hungary probably have more attacking talent and more threat on the counter than Costa Rica. But Costa Rica is still a very capable team. They got to the World Cup. And I really don't know if Germany are going to be able to break them down, especially in this formation. But moving on to the Italian game, this formation worked a lot better. 4-2-3-1, this is the traditional formation Flick used uh, at Bayern. He started with Neuer and Goal, Kosterman at right back, Sula, Rudiger, and Raum. Raum at left back, and Sula and Rudiger have pr pretty much solidified their partnership in the middle of the field. Then it was a Kimmich and Gundogan uh, partnership at center defensive mid. And then you have Hoffman out on the right wing, Muller central, and Sané on the left. Werner up top. And this is the game where Werner shined. Gets two goals. But first it was Kimmich opening the scoring in the 10th minute, then Gundogan from the penalty spot right before halftime. Müller in the 51st. Werner in two minutes scores two goals in the 68th and 69th minute. Germany do allow Italy to get two more, two, I guess. Ganotto and Bastoni. Bastoni with the last kick of the game. But you just got to acknowledge, uh, Ganotto has scored two goals. both uh, Or not, he's only scored one goal, but had an assist in the Germany game. He is 18 years old, and he is an exceptional talent. He he, only, he plays in for FC Zurich, but I think after this window, he, there's going to be some big clubs looking at him, or at least some clubs, most likely in Serie A, looking for his signature. But he's a very good talent, so you have to give credit to that. But focusing on the German team, it was it was just a relentless attack, and this this is the team, this is the Germany we, we I want to see. I've seen there's six really big chances, like high percentage chances. Four of them ended up as goals. Two of them were not. Uh, nine shots on target. Seventeen shots total. I mean, it really, really just was fantastic. Three hundred and three. Uh, passes in the opposition half. I mean, this really was a good Germany performance. It was a relentless attack after relentless attack. Passing around, breaking down Italy. And now, okay, so you have to look at this Italy. They they were looking, like, they tried different shapes during the match, different partnerships, different uh, ways to play. But it's still Italy, and this was still a dominant performance from Germany, and this is exactly what you want to see. And there were certain players that really shined. Werner really shined in this game. Müller really shined. Kimmich, Gundogan. Raum was very good. So pretty much the entire team shined. A few people who didn't look the greatest were Sané. He didn't get... He didn't play great. He created chances. But didn't really... T he had two shots, but only one of them hit target, but 
really didn't do well for his part. But Gnabry came on, gets two goals in the 64th minute. He came on for Hoffman. Musiala in the 75th for Muller. And that same change, Nemencio went on. Jonathan Ta in the 87th minute and Stock in the 87th minute. Stock should have scored. He came on, had a brilliant chance. I don't know how he missed that. Um, but looking at it, I think this starting 11 should be the one we, we roll out for the next two games because we only have, Germany only has two games before the World Cup. So these next two need to be taken seriously, even though the Nations League, and you could say that's throwaway, but it's two games before the World Cup, and there's two games before all the pressure's on and all the eyes are turned. So it's going to be very, very uh, different to see how this plays out. But I think I think this back line is what I would like to see. I think Sula and Rudiger complement each other well. Rudiger with pace. Sula has some sneaky pace, but not to the same extent Rudiger does. Sula and Rudiger are both big forces and can really def- I Rudiger has some great one-on-one defending moments. Sula was fine, but I mean some clumsiness led to the goals for Italy. The goals for Italy, they just were Lapses in concentration, there were gaps in the midfield, and it just really broke down from there. But watching the game, this is the part where Germany really succeeded. When the game went kind of end-to-end, Germany really had the midfield dominance. Kimmich and Gundogan were excellent, Müller dropping in was excellent, Sané came inside sometimes too, was excellent, having round bombing the left side was great, because he let off, um, he let... I mean, Sonny would come inside, let Raum roam the outside. Was That meant Sonny was in the box, and he could operate centrally, which is what he likes to do. Hoffman looked good. Uh, he had some chances, couldn't put him away, but he did win the penalty, so he looked good. But I think it's really going to come down to does, does he want Gnabry or does he want Hoffman on that right side? I think he's come to the conclusion he wants Sané on the left, but that could change. There are other options. But right now, I think this lineup isn't what I want to see. Maybe I would rather have Gnabry instead of Hoffman just because he's a little bit more dynamic. Uh, Hoffman is 29 years old, still in fantastic shape, but Gnabry has more pace, just a little bit more dynamic as a winger, so I maybe that might be the better option, but we'll have just have to see. Flick knows these players better than I do, so he, I'm guessing he'll make the good decision. I just do think it's going to come down to the small changes for Germany, but overall this game was a great performance. Now I'll just quickly go over the coaching changes that have happened. So Dortmund, most notably, they uh, Marco Rosa has left the club, and they are going to Edin Terzic. He has uh, managed or he has managed Dortmund before. Then he went to technical director, and now he's back to manager. This could work. This could work very well, and it could go very south. We're just gonna have to say he prefers a four-two-three-one. I really do think it's gonna it, how he's gonna play is gonna depend. 
He's got to use his young players. He's going to have to use Karidium Adeyemi. But he's going to have to do it without Erling Holland, And that's going to be very difficult because that's who Marco Rosa really relied on for goals. Florian Kofelt has left Wolfsburg. Niko Kovac has came in. Niko Kovac's most notable job was with Bayern. He left Bayern to go manage uh, Monaco. Decently successful there. He prefers he prefers a four four two with a double six. He could be very successful, but it's it's really gonna depend. Uh, league, oh, not the greatest success for him, as he did not last the season. He was fired in January. This is gonna be very interesting for Wolfsburg because they've gone from some they've done some kind of weird and odd coaching changes, but. This could this could be very good, and they could go very south. So it's gonna it's kind of a high risk, high reward, I would say, for this one. Um, Augsburg they fire Marcos Wenzel, and they have got in Enrico Maben. He's a German coach. He performs a three five two, which will suit Augsburg. He um, he has man he just he just managed Dortmund too. Which is going to be interesting because it's just a massive level up in, uh, like, just competition. He he wasn't great for Dortmund, too, but he, they were in the third Liga as, um, as a second team. So, dealing with losses when players do good, going up to the first team. So, just very different. Uh, but I think he can do great things. If he can get the buy-in from the team, he's got it. Uh, most notably, his biggest project's gonna have to be Ricardo Pepe. Augsburg spent so much money on him, and he's really gonna have to come through if they're gonna want to see any return on that. Adi Hutter is fired. Pretty, I mean, that's pretty expected. Daniel Farker uh, will expect it to be coach. He. He is. Uh, he prefers a four-two-three-one. He's last managed uh, Krasnodar, but uh, left them in March as uh, Russian, as the whole Russian-Ukraine thing. I don't want to go into that right now, but he he can be very good. He's managed most notably uh, Norwich. He managed them for quite a few years. That was his biggest job. This is gonna be. This is. This could be a very, very, very good signing, just because he does. He. I think he does fit this club pretty well. He's gonna have an attacking style to the game, and this could really, really impact. Uh, this could really, I would say, impact uh, a team that's struggling so much in Gladbach in such a positive way. They have stars, and they have great attacking pieces. So if he can get them to buy in and fire, and firing on all cylinders, this could be a very fun team to watch. Felix Mangath has left Hertha Berlin. Sandro Swartz will be expected to become is going to become coach. He plays a four-one-four-one, interesting formation, but he's managed Dynamo Moscow. Leaves them in May. He's managed Mainz uh, from in the 2018 
or 17 to 2018 season to the 2019-20 season. So managed them for a few years. But this this again, very interesting matchup. He was pretty good in the Russian Premier League, 53 points for them. Not bad. Averaging 1.7 points per match. That's not bad at all. It's going to be a really, really big push to see how how are they going to play. Because uh, this, this Hertha Berlin team's in a lot of trouble. Just overall, they barely survived uh, the relegation playoffs. And, I mean, this could be really, a really, really, really big uh, letdown. Or it could succeed, but I don't know. I just it's just, time's just gonna tell. Sebastian Hohnbe uh, leaves Hoffenheim. Andre Bethritner comes in. He's previously managed uh, Hoffenheim. Well, I mean, he's going to manage Hoffenheim, but he's just previously managed Zurich, who were pretty decent in the um, Super League. They played quite well. He's averaging. 2.11 games per match. But if he can do that in Zurich, he could probably transition that well to Hoffenheim. Uh, he plays a 3-4-2-1. So, that, I mean, that will be really interesting. How is he going to use Sebastian Ruther? Or Jorginho Ruther? How is he going to use all the pieces that Hertha has? I mean, Ruther was one of their brightest spots last season, Cromerich. How's he going to get him back to firing? It's, it's going to be very interesting. But that was just a quick recap to show you the coaching switches and the Germany games. Overall, I would say good window from Germany and learned a lot from that last game against Italy and maybe who will start that first game against Japan in the World Cup. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Bye.